Welcome to the perfume room. Today I am coming in hot because I want to talk to you about powdery scents, my ode to them, my complicated relationship with them, and here is why. I think powdery scents is like a bit of a misnomer because people hear powder, they have such an association with baby powder that they assume if there is a powder note, it is going to be that very specific Johnson & Johnson smell. But if something smells powdery, it doesn't necessarily have to mean baby powder. It could be powdery in that like the texture feels powdery, the texture feels chalky. I think that's sort of why I love Oris so much because it has like a sort of chalky, powdery, grainy texture in the smell and in the feel. But today I want to talk to you about the scent that I am currently wearing, which is Narciso Poudre. And please don't come at me for saying that with an affected accent. I did take French in school and I cannot in good conscience say Narciso Poudre. It just, I can't. I don't have a full bottle of this. I only have a decant. But the reason that this is an anomaly in my collection is because most of the air quote powdery scents I gravitate towards are more for that textured powdery feel versus the smell or anything sort of synonymous with any sort of baby powder or body powder. But Poudre does smell like some sort of body powder, and yet I love it. There's something about it that feels very reminiscent of like my grandmother's era, but it's elevated and it's this modern take on something that's a very classic traditional smell. It's this very floral, musky scent. And the notes that I smell the most in this order would be jasmine, tonka, and musk. And I think the combination of the three... I don't know. It creates something that like, it reminds me of what my grandmother used to smell like and what her bathroom used to smell like. I think social context is everything with this fragrance because I actually find it to smell quite youthful because it's very like soft, balanced florals. But I could see how someone could say it smells old lady because they only have known people from older generations to smell like this. I get a ladies who lunch vibe for sure. And a fragrance in my collection that I feel evokes the same thing that I think I prefer a little bit more because it has more of a green iris note would be Panhaligon's Revenge of Lady Blanche. But I am here for the powdery scents. It feels like a contemporary homage to my grandmother. It still feels youthful, but there's just something so nostalgic in the smell and it's such a delight. Our guest today is quite possibly Fragrance's number one champion, also my new favorite person ever, the president of the Fragrance Foundation, Linda Levy. If you're listening to this and you're like, what is the Fragrance Foundation? This is the episode where you will find out. Who gets to be a member? How do they get to be a member? What do they get by being a member? What is the Fragrance Foundation's relationship with fragrance consumers? What are the Fragrance Awards? Who's nominated? How are they nominated? Not only does Linda answer all of these questions, but she also talks about the organization's mission and actions towards moving towards an industry that is more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys because it might even be the gateway for some of you to actually break into the industry or learn what you need to do in order to get into it. Linda also defines and differentiates some of the more confusing industry terms. For example, 
niche versus indie. Are you using those two interchangeably? Are you using them correctly? You will find out. Okay, no more spoilers for me. You will hear it in the episode. Here is Linda. Linda, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? Emma, I am so happy to be here and I'm excited for this major league fragrance conversation. I'm doing really well. Oh, lovely. Well, unfortunately, the listeners cannot see, but you have a beautiful uh, makeup look today. We are talking about your amazing lipstick color, which can you just share? Because I feel like we have a similar skin tone. I must, I must know. It's Givenchy. It's fantastic. Just discovered. I love it. Thank you. I love a good, um, it's like Copper a- nude. It's like a, Copper 501 nude. Okay. Copper Nude. I am into it. Go for I it. I am into it. Thank you. Are you currently wearing any fragrances today? Yes, I am, Emma. And I don't know if this is true of other people you speak to, but I am so lucky, as you can see, to live sort of in a candy factory that I never have just one fragrance on. And this, everything I'm going to say as a disclaimer is true. I don't make this stuff up. So today on one arm, I have one of my favorite Cartier Rose. There's a Rose collection. I have a particular mm -hmm. one that I really, really love. And um, I would say the other two, because I was in a Givenchy mood this morning, I put on L'Entre de Rouge. And last Ooh, but it. not least, because I had a third situation, it's funny, Bulgari Allegra has a fabulous collection, and okay. I'm I'm very tied um, to one of them. It's called uh, Bravo Solera. Reminds me of ah. AK. So three. Wow. You must smell yeah. amazing. I am delicious. Sorry you can't smell me through the podcast. I know. People can't see you. We can't smell you. And it's, it's too, you know, it's sad for all of us. Do you have, um, I mean, it sounds like because of this candy factory you live in that you perhaps <laughs> don't have a signature scent. How do you feel about signature scents? And if you were to give yourself one, could you? Well, because I need to be somewhat agnostic, but mm -hmm. we all deserve to have our moment. I would say a few fragrances are a bit of my signature because they also are connected to extremely important times in like my fragrance hysteria and life. One of them mm -hmm. is Frederick Mile Portrait of a Lady. After we mm -hmm. honored him as game changer and I've gotten to know him, he is legendary in every way. He told me that He's the one who actually mentioned to me that fragrance found its queen and he had me in mind when he created it. I don't try to tell my husband about this because- Oh you know, my God. You are the lady of Portrait no, of a Lady? The reason I can say it's not a 100% is okay. it was invented before me, but perhaps okay. there was a connection and I have it in writing and that card is like tucked away. It's never going away. So I think that's oh, pretty heavy. Oh my God. That's epic. It's crazy, the cards that you keep. I almost yeah. fainted. Uh, my other couple, <laughs> I have to tell you, every season, I'm lucky enough to be introduced by all the Fragrance Foundation members to what they're launching. So we always know what's happening in the current season and what's coming. I also do major picks, and this has nothing to do with awards, and I don't vote on awards, but I have a few others that I would call current signature because I discovered them during the pandemic and I can't get enough. And one of them is Diptyque Orpheon. I don't know That's, if you, yes, you've smelled it. Okay, people who listen to this podcast are probably jaws agaped as mine is because that's like my pandemic discovery as well. Fave. I love it, listen, I love it. Emma, 
we're going to be related by the end of this thing. We might be, Linda. Two others that I discovered, doesn't mean they launched right now, but Shalini, I don't know if you know her fragrances, but I don't No. Okay. She's exclusive at Bergdorf. This one with the old fashioned poof. I love it. This is a semi signature because whenever someone tells me they have something with vanilla as like the main theme, I'm like, it's not going to be for me. Thank you very much. I'll sniff it. Yeah. She sent this one to me. during the pandemic, you know, really at a time not going out, I went insane. And so many, you know, packages come into the living room warehouse during the pandemic. So this has sort of a special place. I don't think I'm going to leave it. But I wouldn't say those three are signature forever. The signature evolves on a constant basis. Wow. And so what is the Shalini one called? It's called Vanel Rev, the dream, you know, Vanilla Dream. Wow. Okay. I mean, honestly, all of your opinions are my exact. First off, I'm obsessed with Orpheon. I'm obsessed with Portrait of a Lady. And a vanilla dominant fragrance is also usually not one. I love vanilla as a note in a fragrance. But if it is a truly heavy vanilla fragrance, I very rarely feel a personal connection. You know, I also, I have to say, so I was, you know, doing a little research on you and I saw an article where you talked about some of your favorite uh, scents at at the time of that article. And I was like, I feel like we're going to talk shop because all of the ones that you mentioned in that article are also ones I I literally love and have talked about. I'll just, for people listening, okay, Linda also loves La Labo Bergamot 22. Creed Florally is such a beautiful floral. I like I, it I, is. It's a fave. Oh, it's so great. I'm looking at oh, Narcisa Rodriguez, of course, you know, a classic. Um, Atelier Cologne. Yeah, Iris he's Rebel. sitting right back here. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Oh, we wow, very... we do have some. We do, but you want to know something, Emma. Hmm. The people that I work with are also living in the candy store now. And it's very interesting that sometimes you really know when someone shows you something, who's going to like it. But I've learned this over time that sometimes if you really, I don't like to read about them or know anything. I just like them to appear. You Mm -hmm. surprise yourself such as that vanilla situation. Yes. I fully, fully agree. I, it's almost more fun. I think to go into a fragrance without maybe knowing the notes or without knowing the price or the story behind it. And just seeing what your nose picks up, what's familiar, what does it remind you of, what does it make you feel? And then sort of like, you know, the hindsight bias comes in where you're like, I, I totally smelled that caraway seed and maybe perhaps you, or I'm talking about me specifically, didn't. But I, yeah, I think that's the best way to approach fragrance. I think it's also like the way I am in general life. When it comes to reading a book or going to a Broadway play, which I haven't done yet, haven't returned, but it's big in my life normally, mm-hmm. I never read the review I mm-hmm. always want to go there. And when it comes to people, though everyone has an opinion about everyone, I never judge any human being unless I've had this specific connection because, and it's the same way for fragrance for me. It's mm-hmm. so personal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very lucky ladies. Yeah, very, very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third question I always open with is, with that said, and I'm curious what you'll say, do you have any fragrance hot takes or controversial opinions? Um. At this point, you can determine if they're controversial. Okay. I am very frequently asked about naturals versus synthetics. I think that came up later, but I want to mention this. There's a lot of controversy in the industry. There's a lot of controversy by the consumer. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe without question and know 
that natural is not better than synthetics. This is not like what's better. There are so many, um, and there are a few reasons why. One reason is one can often have an allergic reaction to something that is a natural ingredient. Mm -hmm. No, so that's one. The other thing is it isn't a great thing to always use natural resources because planet Earth is a very important uh, baby of ours and we don't want to use everything up. And the other thing is very often what you smell in nature, you know, as you're walking through a field of whatever, is not how that smell would be replicated in an actual fragrance. So I have a lot of reasons why. I think it becomes a bit controversial when I make my statement. I think everyone's entitled to it. And I believe that there are consumers who want to know everything's natural. Hello, goodbye. If it isn't, I don't want to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I respect that. So I'm very liberal in my religion on this one. So that's one. Mm -hmm. The other one, which um, always comes up, is the Fragrance Foundation, which we're going to talk more about later, so I'm not going to get into total depth. Our number one priority is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And over the last year, a very good uh, BFF is Jess Matlin, and she was calling me and writing me. And at the same time, maybe three months before that, Michael Edwards was writing to me from Australia. And they both wanted to know my opinion on the Oriental name. And I, this was way before it became, quite frankly, an actual violence issue in many cities in the, in the United States. It was completely right. before that. So long story short, I always felt that it was really a word that was offensive, yes. shouldn't be used, and that we needed to change things. So I've been on a campaign for that. I would say the United States is fairly aligned. Every member, I call them into action, and I, they've all, you know, I could I really follow up. I'm a queen of follow-up really more than Mm -hmm. fragrance. Mm -hmm. So the long story short is I think it's eliminated. The one thing I will say though, because the history of fragrance is so, goes back so many centuries and because today is today, there are some people across the pond, as I would call it, that do not feel aligned with me. And Mm -hmm. what I say is we're all entitled, but in the United States of America, this is not okay. Those are my two uh, yeah. hot controversies. Okay. If those are your controversial opinions, I think we're going to get along just fine. Um, <laughs> I fully agree. Mike drop to both of those things. Um, okay. So people listening probably are familiar with the Fragrance Foundation, but let's assume maybe they don't know everything about it. What is the mission of the Fragrance Foundation and what does a day look like for you? It's so funny because most people do ask me and- it's not a known entity, and I hope many years from now it will become much more obvious because we're really going after the consumer now. Mm-hmm. But in a nutshell, the Fragrance Foundation is a not-for-profit organization. Our members, 100-plus companies, are members, which are fragrance houses, retailers, brands, and anyone who is making something or related to fragrance. Mm-hmm. Our original mission, which we wrote when I first joined together, was to inspire the world to discover the artistry and creativity of fragrance. Mm -hmm. And that is very, very important. And we had certain objectives, which are about nurturing talent, running great events, educating, and so forth. But right now, we've really redefined everything we do, and everything goes under the headline of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we created a hashtag fragrance forward TFF Mm -hmm. because 
that is what we stand for. We want to be the experts people come to. We want to nurture talent. We want to do a lot of things, but that is our guiding light and we will never stop. It's big. That's huge because the fragrance industry has traditionally been exclusionary in a lot of ways. And I'm curious, you know, with that said, who do you feel is underrepresented or with the, with this initiative, what are you guys doing to make sure that everybody has a seat at the table? I can explain it this way. I believe that the fragrance industry in the United States of America needs to look like and represent the United States of America population. Mm -hmm. And without that, we're not okay. Mm -hmm. I believe that the history and the beauty and so much that led for centuries to what the industry is right now, a lot of it from Grasse and a lot of it from other parts of France and a lot of very beautiful stories. But the time is different now. And the customers, because even though we're doing all this great stuff, it's really... Uh, bottom line, even though we're not for profit, we want to sell more fragrance and educate consumers about it. Right. So while there are many different ways that DEI is defined by a lot of different entities, mm-hmm. ours without question is about every color, mm-hmm. every LGBTQIA+. Mm-hmm. It's about people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely everyone. So this was something I had been wanting to do for a while, it actually started to go into motion prior to all the violence and horror that went on in that summer, as you know, and continued. Mm -hmm. And with all of that going on, people started reaching out to me and we knew this was it. So we have a lot of initiatives related to that. But to answer your question, we will not stop until everyone knows that they are welcome Mm -hmm. and that we want diversity in this industry. Well, that's amazing. And I know that you put your money where your mouth is and you guys have um, an FIT scholarship right now, right? And you have something called Fragrance Academy. Can you tell us about both of those? Absolutely. The Fragrance Foundation, just a mini history without a lot, was founded um, years ago by Annette Green. She's 97 years old. Um, I didn't know her when I got this job, actually. Mm -hmm. She was a woman of action and a woman ahead of her time. She did a fabulous job. She was in that job probably for 40, 50 years. There were a couple of presidents, you know, in between. And then along came Linda, and I was lucky enough um, to get this job. But I would really say that where we're going is really, really important. So one of the things that Annette had was a connection to FIT. She lived in Manhattan, and she was the responsible, and they'll tell you this at FIT, and she's our president emeritus, and I just adore her. We're so connected. She was the one that founded, with others, the undergraduate degree at FIT. So normal undergraduate, there was two years. They created a two-year program, which gives you a bachelor's in cosmetics and fragrance marketing. Mm -hmm. And then since its beginning, I was on the board of advisors and still am for that program, as well as the graduate program, which is a master's. I believe in those, and Stephen Canlian and Virginia Bonofiglia were just honored at the Circle of Champions, our first in-person event. Mm -hmm. With all of this, if you mix it up in that mix master of what we believe in, and getting the people together for the first time and honoring these champions. It was still at a time, and this was November 4th, where there were some people who were not 100% comfortable of going to a gathering. It was like the first time, Mm -hmm. and people are very sensitive to losing their sense of sin, et cetera. So we thought, well, why not 
put all of this together. And if you can't come to the event, we're going to raise money and we're going to do some kind of scholarship for FIT. It gained so much momentum that wow. the people who came to the event, as well as those who could not, contributed. And anything short, I used to be at Macy's as a retailer. I love round numbers. You got to round <laughs> everything for me. And we came up, we actually augmented it, and we contributed $100,000 wow. to FIT. Wow. The programs are each two years. So based on qualification of all the things that I told you are what we consider diversity, equity, inclusion. I even got FIT to work with me on their normal contract because they had not announced it yet. And Joyce Brown is you know, one of our faves. Mm -hmm. And she just made another big announcement. But the point is they even took this legal document and were willing to edit it to include everything that I believe we believe wow. in at the Fragrance Foundation. That's amazing. So this is the beginning and I expect we'll do more. So that scholarship means the world to us. Mm -hmm. And besides that, uh, Charnay, who you met briefly, and I are working on an initiative to talk to students across the country wow. who are interested in fragrance or don't know that fragrance is a career. And we started our premier event at Spelman College, which is where Sharnay, my fabulous senior director, graduated. Oh, so is nice. that a story, huh? That's incredible. And I'm sure there are people who are listening who are of college age or looking into graduate programs. And where can they learn more about this if they potentially want to apply for the scholarship? This is a very good question. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, our website is always up to date and we have a link to FIT, mm -hmm. but um, it's being set up right now. I just met with them this week, actually, with um, the deans there, and they really follow this lead. And there have been others who have contributed. What's a little different also about ours is it's specifically about fragrance. There mm -hmm. are other scholarships for beauty in general. So by writing to FIT, you go on their website, you look up the program, everyone within the school knows. And we're not going to start the scholarship until the applications, you know, we had to wait because we were mid-year. So it will be, those will be considered um, during the spring of 2022. Mm -hmm. And then it starts with the fall semester. Great. That's amazing. So when people graduate this program, I think a big question, um, you know, there is so much about the fragrance world that is still a mystery. What sort of career could someone get if they say, I want to do something in fragrance? What, what are the options for that? Great question. And we realized we need an answer. So in the month of January, we're going to update our website and we're going to create a template. So besides Charnay and myself, many, I'd say 30, 40 members of the Fragrance Foundation are going to make that connection to where they graduated from college. Mm -hmm. We will have a source on the website that says, like, these are the top 10 areas of jobs that you can go into fragrance. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't know if you're not a chemist or want to be a perfumer. I studied marketing. What did I know about fragrance? Mm -hmm. And there are things about customer data and there are evaluators and there are sales jobs. So if we can show 10 different paths, make the template so everyone communicates this fairly efficiently, the good news is on our website, you can click through right now to all of our members and we're going to make the first click through to where their job openings are. So wow. I think there's a path. It's going to be great. What a great resource. Like you're going to be able to have a one-stop shop all on the Fragrance Foundation website where you can learn about the jobs you want to get into and then actually tangibly see the openings. I, I really respect what you are doing and how accessible you are making the industry. 
you know, because one of the things I think about fragrance is there's just so much behind the scenes people don't know. With everything that you are bringing to light, what do you think still remains a mystery in the fragrance industry? Um, I don't know that it's a total mystery because you and I are very into it, mm -hmm. but I fit, I believe the average consumer doesn't understand a lot of creative and exciting storytelling. Mm -hmm. It started before I was even in this job. Not so long ago, perfumers, as an example, were not actually known. So in my days as a retailer, if you were to want to talk about some fabulous fragrances, it would always be the designer's name that's on it. Right. And you would never really know who created it. And just as chefs, you know, have become like superstars in the world mm -hmm. um, and painters and sculptors and everyone else's, I always called it the Wizard of Oz. So behind the curtain was this perfumer, yet someone else was in front of the curtain. Taking the credit. Yeah. But now it changed. Starting the year that I first took this job, I really didn't even ask anyone. When we gave out the awards for the first time in June 18, I added the perfumer's name mm -hmm. to every single award mm -hmm. because, you know, it's time. And it used to be they didn't necessarily want to say who the perfumer was, mm -hmm. but I would say we are united in that. So just as one example, mm -hmm. that's sort of a mystery. And people really didn't understand how that creativity happened. And you've probably met a lot of people in the industry. And these are very exciting stories to tell. I think people want to know them. They are. And I, I, it's another initiative. Again, this is just me saying thank you. That's what this, this hour podcast is. Cause I, everything <laughs> you're working on, I think is, is so great. And uh, you know, I know the Fragrance Foundation's mission is to really communicate everything that's amazing about fragrance to consumers, who are the members of the Fragrance Foundation? So the Fragrance Foundation is specific to the USA that I am lucky enough to be in this job with. There are affiliates, by the way, licenses, and we're going to build that more and go more global. Mm -hmm. Even in that, though, we're not going to dictate how they do a lot of things. So right now in the USA, we have 100 plus members. Mm -hmm. We have all the fragrance houses like Jividan, Fermanish, IFF, Takasago, Roberte, Cosmo uh, down in Florida. We also have retailers, and that includes Saks and Macy's and Dillard's and Sephora and Ulta and so on and so mm -hmm. on. It used to, when I first got here, contain a tremendous amount of all of the biggest brands. And that also, you know, LVMH and Cody and L'Oreal and Chanel, and, you know, it, got, it went on and on. The one thing that I would say that's added to that, and it is on the website, we changed and we really looked at ourselves during the pandemic and said, it's time to find a way to help indies. So we brought in 20 indies for the first time ever. There was a barrier originally for their membership. And since their volume is so low, you know, we changed the bylaws because I actually have to do legal stuff <laughs> and we gave them a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited about that indie piece. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important to our growth. We have an indie advisory panel of people who have great experience. We get on a Zoom and um, you'll see, I think it's today, I'm losing my mind. Yesterday, Accords came out, which is our monthly digital. And we featured some of the indies to talk about what it's like trying to do business at Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I would say the membership is brand fragrance house, and also those who are also related in the industry mm -hmm. who make the merchandisers, and we need to really get the packaging people more involved. So we have a lot ahead of us. But Emma, even though you're telling me you're saying thank you, um, I think you have a place in our fragrance day in the future. 
Uh, okay, a perfume room exclusive. You guys heard it first. I would love to. <laughs> okay, we'll find a way. For my perfume juice today, I would like to issue a formal apology to Juliet Has a Gun, Not a Perfume. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast or follow me on TikTok, I don't dislike this fragrance, but you know it's never been anything for me to write home about. And I want to say that this is a perfect example of why skin chemistry is so important. Because on my skin, Juliet Has a Gun has always smelled super synthetic, fuzzy, and plasticky in a way where any of that beautiful sort of like melts into your skin, skin scent that people love about it doesn't even matter. I can't get past that screechy plastic smell. However, a few weeks ago, I was with someone who just radiated in this scent. I almost got like a peach sorbet note. Like it was so beautiful. There was something really soft and cashmere, but fruity at the same time. And I was like, you need to tell me what you're wearing because I am so stumped. And you know what she was wearing? Not a perfume. So this is also just another note that if you love a fragrance that I knock, if you love it on you, my opinion is merely my opinion. And there's also a great chance that it smells absolutely amazing on you and doesn't work on me. You know, people say to me all the time, Emma, Emma, which sports teams do you root for? Just kidding. I don't think anyone's ever been interested. But you know what I say to that? I say, I root for whoever wins because they played their hearts out and they won and they deserved it. When I watch the Super Bowl, I root for the winner because congratulations. Am I right? What an accomplishment. The same goes for perfume. If you love it, I root for it. It must be a good scent if you love how it smells on you. Okay, wow. I feel like we all just collectively went through something together. Let's get back to Linda. You're talking about the prior barrier to entry for indie houses. What was that barrier and how do indie brands get involved now? Prior to pandemic, I think everyone thought membership was about going to events, networking, Mm -hmm and awards. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only thing the Fragrance Foundation was really known for, Mm -hmm. in all due respect. So the first couple of years, I had to build back validity that we should even have this organization. And I'm positive that we united most, the vast majority of the community. Mm -hmm. And our ultimate goal going forward was going to be the consumer. So in the past, someone couldn't afford a ticket. Someone couldn't afford to go to something. Mm -hmm. Someone couldn't get in to network with us. So we changed that. And starting during the pandemic, we do very few events. I could tell you what there are. I think there are seven that are virtual and they're all free. And I mean free. I I watched the Diptyque one. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. But even the awards, mm -hmm -hmm, if you can't afford a ticket, there will be a way we're looking to simulcast those awards. Wow. So everyone could show up. The other thing is we're a not-for-profit. And now that the community is so united and believes in what we do, we're not here to collect money and you know feel like we have a fabulous bank account and stay elitist. We want to reinvest all that money mm-hmm. back into our foundation members. So for the Indies, I made a list before we, with Christina, who's one, I only have like five people on this team. And we made a list, what could we give them? Because what's the point of being a member? Right. 
So we started with um, Indies and then it grew to a thousand during the pandemic. We gave them, you asked me about this before, the Fragrance Academy online three hour course, which cost about $200. We gave it out to everyone free so they could give us input so we could make it better. Because in my opinion, and Charnay's who is newer to fragrance, but very into education, it was dated and it had a lot of things that were not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, the world's right. changed. And we do every two months or three months, a Zoom with the Indie Advisory Panel who have great experience in the industry. And we also set them up. They've all met with whoever and asked questions. So we really are nurturing them. I don't push them into the media, but I mention them whenever I have the opportunity. I actually, I have a question about indie brands because this is something that comes up a lot sure. and I, I'm not sure I know the answer. How do you differentiate or how do you define indie versus niche or are they the same thing? Another good question. I think the terminology has evolved. Mm -hmm. I think like five years ago, I would ask the same question and not have an answer, mm -hmm. being frank. This is what I think it is now. Technically speaking, at the Fragrance Foundation, the indie membership is only open to those who have a brand that sells in the United States of America currently and has a sales volume less than $250,000. That's an indie. Mm -hmm. Once they graduate and start selling more and doing whatever, it goes up in terms of what their membership is and what will be done. Mm -hmm. The other thing is we check out every member now to make sure that they're ethical, moral, and meeting sort of our goals and in the mission with us. I would say indie, or what you were saying otherwise, was artisanal, and it used to be defined otherwise. It used to be like Frederick Mahl or Byredo, those types, I'm sure you would agree, were sort of like indie because they were so different and radical compared to the rest of the world right. and their distribution was very small. So Indy were really for the Fragrance Foundation saying it has to do with how old you mm -hmm. are, what your distribution is and what your volume is. And hopefully they grow up. And these are not catastrophic numbers. Once they get to a million dollars, God bless. And we want that to happen. They'll be more than happy to spend what is not a very big uh, membership fee. And we're still going to take care of them because we never let go. Wow. But I think artisanal and niche used to be the same thing. And you and I know so many brands that are those. I think using the term artisanal or niche makes mm -hmm. sense for those other brands. And it's not the worst thing to be called an indie, but let's not kid around if we really sell a lot in the US. Okay, so indie is going to be for smaller brands. Niche is going to be related to the actual types of fragrances. Like these are sort of off kilter or more unique notes that you're not going to see, you know, every day. So indie is about size. Niche is about the types of fragrances. And then you're right some on. other words that I think come up a lot that I would love to just define right now, like luxury versus sure. prestige versus, are there other words that I am not including? Yes. Um, and that is also a fluid situation mm -hmm. for the Fragrance Foundation. And, you know, it's funny all these things you're asking, because I, besides that I love fragrance, I am like so organized. It's my life, like process and organization. So people know what they're talking about are really important mm -hmm. to me. And all those terms evolve. So right now when it comes, because we have award categories right. and we're about to open them up in Jan, we call luxury anything that sells for over $200 approximately and like a 3.5 ounce. Okay. okay. And that everything that sells from 100 
to 199 or 101 to 199, whatever, mm -hmm. is considered prestige. Mm -hmm. And then anything that is under $100 is popular. Now, mm -hmm. these exact suggested retails can vary because prices change. Mm -hmm. But what we also realized was we didn't want to have a very expensive fragrance that has a very exclusive distribution competing with others. And you know, like Chanel and Dior are actually for the main things that they sell, sitting in prestige, but of course they have a collection that hits the next height. And also not everyone makes exactly a 3.5. So, you know, we have to, I'm not saying, you know, mm -hmm. it's that rigid. So we just look at what that is. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's something that in, within the fragrance community, these are terms that people know from, you know, a, like a, a standpoint of their careers, but just as a, as a consumer, luxury and prestige are synonyms to me. So it's like, it's hard when, I right? know. So I, I hear know. people saying luxury and prestige. And by the way, I'm not, even though I have this job, it doesn't mean I'm a dictator and anyone can call anything, anything. It's just, we use those definitions and we're not saying everyone has to, yeah. I don't really care. I've got other problems, but I do want when we organize awards for people to understand as clearly as possible, right what category and who they're competing with. That really clarifies a lot. And I, I do want to talk about those awards. Who votes on sure. those awards? Okay. And we put this on the website, but I can tell you this. Even when I was on the board of directors or a member or whatever, I didn't know everything I'm going to tell you as clearly. So communicating is probably the most important thing of everything that we do or it's not going to work. And this too evolves. We have a recognition committee that reviews the awards who are people on the board after we do the awards every year. And since I have this knowledge by talking to every single member and beyond of what they're creating, it has to be updated constantly. Mm -hmm. So this will be clear. We have approximately 25 categories. Mm -hmm. We have categories that are voted on by members, which I'll go back to in a minute. We have categories voted on by experts and we have categories voted on by consumers. The member category voting are things such as the biggies, a lot of them that you're thinking of, and this will be live on the website very soon, or you could visit the history. And those would be, you know, the luxury prestige and popular fragrances with those price points. We have men's, women's, and universal. Mm -hmm. And one day I think, you know, the world will be universal. So anyway, I would say there are less than 20 categories that members vote on. Members are allocated votes based on their sales volume. And unlike what most people say, because it's a misnomer, no one wins because they have a lot of votes. Mm -hmm. In all frankness, like Chanel could win a lot or L'Oreal could win a lot, but or Lauder or you know Cody, but they do not win because they voted for their own things all the time or whatever. No one wins unless the members really voted in. Mm -hmm. And that's a fact. It's very hard because people are disappointed. It's psychologically, you know, a horror show for those who don't win sometimes. The next thing is expert panels. We moved many things into the expert panel world. So under complete confidentiality, we find experts. Hmm, this might be another Emma possibility. Okay, I'm liking the sound of this. Who sign a confidentiality agreement where you have expertise in packaging, mm -hmm. editorial, media. Do you see what I'm saying? So we find people who are truly experts, who have no affiliation with any specific brand, because that's a no-no, and they sign a confidentiality. Because when the nominations come in, you don't know if someone was nominated 
if they didn't make it to the finalists. And no one needs to know that. So if you can imagine, there are a lot of people, I hate to say, in the media world who used to work for some big you know, magazine, but they don't now. And those are a lot of the people who can really go into media analysis of what was the greatest campaign without the prejudice. And no one knows who anyone voted for. Mm -hmm. And we have an accountant that uh, validates everything I'm saying because you know, legal schmiegel is still very important mm -hmm. to me. So those are very important to us and we don't want it prejudice. Also within that expert panel, which is a very big conversation piece, there is what we call perfume extraordinaire where everything else shows the marketing, the scent, and the many elements, 360, perfume extraordinaire. It comes in an agnostic bottle. There are however many agnostic bottles. You don't know what it is. You don't know who created Ooh. it. And we have perfumers, major league perfumers, who have not a nomination, and they judge the panel. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. They don't know yeah. who it is. They don't know what it is. That is Scaryville. And very often, brands that you've not heard of win. Last year, and by the way, the nominations in that category come from fragrance houses or someone who creates a fragrance. Last year, it was uh, Scent of Woods. It's sitting mm -hmm. here behind okay. me. And um, he launched in 2020. And he's an indie. Yeah. And he was like a baby cake. And he had a fabulous fragrance. It was very close. This is the only time, Emma, where I get really, like I am, I can really take any level of stress or whatever, like these, nothing like bothers me unless it's mm -hmm. health. You right. know, I really think my priority is right. But when I know someone really wants to win and they don't, it really spooks me out. So, you know, it's hard, but they won. And the, the Indies are voted on that way mm -hmm. too, um, but not agnostic. That's a real voting process. So I just went through expert panels. The last part is consumer voting. Mm -hmm. This started a while ago and we have several categories. We need to get better and better. And I know you can help us with this too because we need people to know this exists. So when we do something called Fragrance Day, which I could tell you about, and when we do anything from this moment in time forward, we're going to talk about consumer voting. Um, this is also you know, totally audited and no one can vote more. You can't be a robot, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And we have categories and if in my lifetime, if everything could be almost consumer voting and some expert panels, it would be even better. But we have to get people to vote who really know what they're voting right. for. No, I mean, I think that's amazing. I think that's one of the things people talk about when they watch the Academy Awards, that it's like, okay, the Academy voted for the Academy. Like, great, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's really great that you're moving towards the consumer. And I think thinking about the consumer... I'm curious what the Fragrance Foundation's relationship is with sites like Fragrantica and Base Notes and where you guys are in these sort of like online forums and social media conversations. This is where we are. In the past, the Fragrance Foundation maintained a website when I joined that was like the online, I call it Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, perfumers, fragrances, categorization, everything. I decided, not we are not doing this anymore. I believe the entities that you just named are absolutely a joy for me. They go through, like that Frangatica, I can't even say it right. <laughs> I refer to it yeah. all the time. And I really believe that what they're doing is a great service for the industry as well as for the mm -hmm. consumer. I agree. 
Um, you yep. were talking earlier when you were talking about the awards about the categories mm-hmm. of feminine, masculine, and universal. This is something that also in the past year, past two years, has really been a prominent conversation in the yes. community. What do you think makes a fragrance universal versus feminine versus masculine? And, and what are your thoughts on the gender of fragrances in general? I'm going to tell you what I think, but I have two people. Um, if you haven't met them in the community, one in particular, I want you to meet, and it might be a great podcast for you. And his name is Rob Smith. Mm-hmm. Rob Smith runs the Fluid Project, mm. and he started this about LGBTQIA+. Mm-hmm. And I'm only saying it that way because there are leaders such as him in the community that have really changed the dialogue. And we often say this about DEI even. People don't know how to engage. And um, we talk about allies, ambassadors, or advocates. Mm -hmm. So you have to get familiar. So with that as background, I've actually received a lot of education on this. Mm -hmm. And the fact that pink and blue are associated with male or female is also a recent phenomenon and a waste of time. Mm -hmm. But given the question about fragrance, I'd put it this way. And I've asked a lot of people. I think certain things, like this is Miss Dior, which is pink with the cute bow, or there could be something that looks otherwise, are very often marketed, have media campaigns, and are all about, I want to sell to women. Right. And I think it's an old-fashioned model to some extent, but not always. And then the other thing is sometimes there is something that looks like it's supposed to be just for men. And Ralph Lauren, you know, has this new thing, Ralph's Club. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Gigi Hadid is in this. So, you know, I bet she's wearing this stuff too. Right, right. So the real world is, and I spoke to a lot of people in the foundation membership about it. There are definitely some things that are still marketed for men and some for women. Mm -hmm. But I believe the future is where Tom Ford, if we can use him as an example again, he's never marketed for female or male. Right. And I think a big part of this is retail history, maybe from before you were born, Emma, because when you go into a store, there's the men's department and the women's department, Mm -hmm. but the real world is not really that. And that is also how the women's department for fragrance was, and the men's department was fragrance. And when I was at Macy's, sometimes they're in different floors or different buildings. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. So someone like Tom Ford, as an example, when he came out with the brand, said, I have to be in both departments. If you want me, I have to be in both. Because this is a little, you know, Mm -hmm. not making sense. I think the future is it will be universal. Mm -hmm. I also asked a lot of people, Boy Smells Matthew Herman. I don't know if you've met him. He's a terrific person. And he created the term genderful. Yes. When others said genderless, I've had to educate the world that that is a demeaning categorization Mm -hmm. because it implies someone has no gender role at all. Right. So, you know, sensitivity on everything. I think gender universal, which is the term we're using, which is a category, allows people to express that they are for anyone who wants it. Mm -hmm. And the last thing, which you probably know, if you smelled a fragrance and did not know if it was specifically supposed to be marketed for men or women, you'd constant, people pick another piece all the time. Floral does not mean it's just feminine. Right. And, you know, or tobacco is not just going to be for men. So the future is, is universal without question. Right. But it's not so bad once in a while for, you know, like Dior or I don't know if you've seen this one, hysterical and terrific Dolly's, you know, mm-hmm. the Dolly part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, if you identify with the butterfly in the pink, it doesn't matter 
what your orientation is, right. go for it. I agree. I kind of feel like it's about the wearer. And if you identify or you project a feminine energy, then what you wear is inherently feminine, regardless of who it's marketed to. I think an interesting thing that I've seen is almost like the way that people have an issue with the binary of masculine feminine fragrances that I don't know if this is the word, but it's almost like a trinary where there's like this third category <laughs> of like, this is the unisex one. And so instead of saying universal, which I think is such a great word of just like anyone who wants to wear it, there's specifically like a category of like, this is our masculine fragrance. This is our feminine fragrance. And this is our unisex fragrance. And it's like, this one has the notes of sandalwood. Then the masculine has the aquatic notes. And then the feminine has the rose notes. Like, I think that's odd to me, seeing a, a new third it is category odd. that's coming up. Well, I really mean this. Rob Smith has truly showed me also, and that's why his you know brand is called Fluid. Mm -hmm. There are not barriers and like, female and male and universal like th this is where it starts and then everyone is fluid everything goes back and mm -hmm. forth that's why you know the how do you identify as she her it's all that stuff right so i think it's a really good conversation right because it means that we're moving forward right i have amazing news for you guys it was inspired by Michelle. Yes, Michelle, if you are listening, what I'm about to say was inspired by the DM that you sent me last week, which was that you wished that I had some sort of course offering or way that we could do some sort of like Zoom thing where I could teach you guys about different notes. And you guys, it's a coming. I am starting the Perfume Room Smell Club. It is essentially a book club, but for smelling. It will be monthly, and each month we'll spotlight a different note, fragrance family, brand, or perfumer, so that basically not only are you guys having a fun perfume hang, meet a new fragrance friends, but it will also help you in your own self-exploration of fragrance, getting more familiar with different notes, families, facets, perfumers, the whole shebang. And also, so many of you guys are so freaking funny and you slide into my DMs and make me laugh every day. And I'm like, you should know them. They should know you. I feel like you would all be friends with each other. I'm very excited to connect everyone in what is going to be a literal perfume room. So each month, a few weeks ahead of time, I will send you a list of what we are going through that month. I will send you guys a link to buy it in a discounted bundle or if you prefer to source it on your own or you already have some of the ones that we're going to go through, you can do so independently. Every sampler set will be thoughtfully curated by me. I will guide us through the club, but you will all have a chance to talk, hang, and share your thoughts and opinions. I will be sharing more information in the coming days, but if you are listening to this and cannot contain yourself and are like, oh, oh my God, I need to be on this list, shoot me a DM and I will make sure of it. Back to Linda. So I want to talk to you about your personal background. I know you've been in the beauty and retail industry throughout your whole career. What has your relationship with fragrance been personally? Interesting. Right now, I mean, as you can tell, as you are, I'm extremely obsessed and it means it's a big, 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 big part of my life. But when people ask, I would say, because now it's really what I talk about a lot. I remember, you know, that my mother put on Jean Atte in the cabana at, by the Atlantic Ocean. And I remember, you know, my father wore 
lilac vegetal. It was like you put it on after you shave. Mm -hmm. Like I truly remember those fragrances. They make me very, very happy. And throughout my life, I think I noticed fragrances. I wouldn't say I got to this momentum and I'll tell you why until later, because my career was three years at uh, L'Oreal at Lancome, mm -hmm. 10 years at Estee Lauder in a lot of different roles, three years at Wella p and I'm just thinking I consulted a Cody and Shiseido, and then I wound up at uh, Macy's. So I was always originally in the beauty space, including skincare and makeup. And as you can see, as we discussed with the lipstick, this is important stuff mm -hmm. on occasion, look good, feel better. Mm -hmm. I also love skincare. But once I am such a marketing person, and that's actually and funny what I studied when I went to college, the marketing aspect of fragrance, the story, I am as excited today, maybe more, no, more excited today when I hear about the new things and I talk to the perfumers, I feel so lucky. I love these perfumers. These aren't like just little, these are not movie stars to me. These are the most interesting, talented, delicious people mm -hmm. I know. And I would say that I'm a 24 seven in love with this industry. And that's why we do everything we do here. So it's the story, mm -hmm. it's the creator, it's the ingredients, but I still think for many things we spoke about today, they have to change. So I didn't grow up knowing I was gonna be the president of the Fragrance Foundation. Mm -hmm. I think your career, by the way, is a shopping spree. You just keep buying things and going in a direction that you like. I full, I mean, that, now I'm the host of a fragrance podcast. So I have, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I, I totally agree. What is the first perfume you ever purchased or, or were gifted or wore? The two that I remember actually purchasing, I guess, when I knew that that's what I was going to buy were Chanel Cristal mm -hmm. and Fracas. Mm. Fracas. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I'm rose obsessed. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones I remember the most. But again, I have this love thing. My mother passed away many years ago, but a Ginate type of thing, an aquatic, a citrusy, really touches my heart. Mm. Do you associate any specific perfumes with specific times in your life? Absolutely, yes. Every year for over 25 years until the pandemic, my husband and I went to Amalfi. I think I have an Amalfi book. You see it up there. Mm -hmm. Several people have given me more Amalfi books than I can tell you, which I love. Mm -hmm. But we went, I've, I, neither of us are Italian. We've spent all of our vacations since we're married in Italy. And there are certain things, it sounds funny. So the hotel had Bulgari in it, you know, the white Bulgari. Mm -hmm. The minute I smell that and they actually have it in the store, I feel so happy because I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when I was growing up, the backyard, we grew a little mint and there was lavender. So those have really been strong for me mm -hmm. for, I'd say, transportive things, those three. Who is the best smelling person in your life and what do they smell like? That's a hard one because you know I'm in love with perfumers. Yeah, you literally are with Mall perfumers every other, day. Other people. Let's say non-perfumers well, so that we don't have to, you know, exclude any. Of yes, course. Yeah. This sounds a little sort of sick or weird, but I'm going to put it this way. <laughs> Let's hear it. I think it's it's either me or my husband because okay. we get all the, fra I during the pandemic, and he likes fragrance actually, yeah. You know, and the house, the warehouse was the living room. Right. Moving in here, as you could see, mm -hmm. every night I would make him try a new fragrance. Mm -hmm. 
And every time I get a new fragrance, I try it. And I never answer someone immediately like, you know, this is great. I, I have an opinion, right. but it's that. And like I told you, I mean, I have three or four on my arm. And the last part of that is I never lit a candle. This is famous until the pandemic in my home. And my assortment now, it's life and death. And mm -hmm. my, we match it every night to my husband's choice of wine. Wow. So I'm going to say my favorite smelling people, it's a little obnoxious or narcissistic, but I think it's Steve and me. Um, candles paired with wine. Uh, do you guys need any company? Can I come over for dinner? What candles are you burning? What are my candles? Okay, Diptyque, the pro of pros. This thing that they have given me, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, another one, I think you know this young lady. I love Otherland. I love Abigail. Yes. She's my hero. She's going to be on the podcast soon. Oh, yay. Another one you know I love is Boy Smells. I met Matthew way back mm -hmm. when he first did the Casey Musgrave thing at the launch. Mm -hmm. And we like refound each other. So we're semi-attached. Today mm -hmm. or yesterday, I got something new. Alberto Morias, the mm -hmm. Grand Master Perfumer at Fermanish, mm -hmm. just opened um, a store downtown on like Prince Street. And he created this Misenur. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have a name of what it is within the collection. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. The other one I talked to you about, you've really got to discover, you should bring this guy on, Sense of Woods from Fabrice Quas. Right. He's he the is one who unbelievable. won, right? Yeah. Plum of Cognac is the winner, right? Yeah. Look mm -hmm. at this bottle. It's beautiful. And the candle. But he creates fragrances in wooden barrels. It's like a whole new situation. Wow. And I can't not. Two more. I got to say this You got to. You, you got to. That David Maltz at Dias and Durga is one hell of a wowza. Yeah. I mean, he is just so good. And if you think you and I are obsessed, I think he might actually beat us in that fragrance category obsession. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the one and only, and this is one of the best burning candles in America is Nest. No exaggeration. Mm -hmm. These babies burn exactly right. And she's not here because I brought them home. But the townhouse collection from Joe Malone that comes in those beautiful... Um, like sort of ceramic. Yeah, I could go on. And have you met Rodrigo Garcia, someone new in my life who created Amen candles? No, oh, you are you are enlightening me. This is amazing. I got more friends that you have to meet, but I'm so glad we got to meet today because I'm positive this is just the beginning. It definitely is. I have one more question about what you were talking about with your husband, just because I think this is probably yeah. like, what is his? What are his thoughts about all the fragrance that's coming into your guys' home? Does he enjoy it as much as you do? What, what has that been like, sharing this, this activity with him and this passion? I would explain it this way. I've had a lot of different jobs, and I've done a lot of different things. And people always ask me, so how does Steve feel about you being the president of the Fragrance Foundation? He doesn't care. Mm -hmm. If I am happy, he is happy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care. If I'm, you know, like working on an assembly plant or if I'm sitting here doing this, what he wants is for me to be happy. So that's sort of like the foundation of the story. Mm -hmm. However, he does like to dress well, especially pre-pandemic, and he does have specifics, but he's very, I like it or I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So I think he really enjoys having this and he's really the house sommelier and he he's developed all his skills and interests he's not like the guy who shows off and shows you what you want when the sommelier comes over i mean i know he knows it 
in certain categories as much as them. But I think also it's been an interesting thing, particularly the last year, because the candle connection and the way you talk about fragrances has so many parallels to wine that I think that's the big to do in the marriage at this moment, besides that, you know, we're a great little match on a blind date, Emma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's great. Were you set up? Through someone in business who really didn't know me well. (laughs) Well, apparently they did. That's great. It would have been online if I was your age now, so who knows? That's, I met my boyfriend on Tinder, so it's kind of the, the, uh, the modern-day blind date. But, yeah, I think the parallel of, of wine and fragrance and the idea of pairing them is really interesting. I was actually thinking about it yesterday about how as you get really into fragrance, I think, or at, at my personal experience, as I have gotten into fragrance, you know, at, when I was young, I wanted universally appealing fragrances, and as I've gotten older... I- when you were young. When I was younger, I wanted universally appealing fragrances. And that's why I liked, <laughs> you know, designer fragrances yep. that were just sweet and yeah. easy to like. And as I've grown into this, you know, love for fragrance, I like things that are challenging. I like to challenge myself with animalic or musky notes. And I would liken it to when I first started drinking wine, I was like, can I get a bottle of Moscato, please? Your finest, you know, like mm-hmm. you just want what's mm-hmm. what's easy on the palate. And as you get more into it, that's when you crave the tannins and the full-bodied bottles. And I think that going through perfume is a similar experience. It really is. It's it's a fabulous journey that we're on. And there's always something new. And you never know when it's going to be a surprise. And I just laid out for you 10 candles. Yeah. No exaggeration. I probably, I have a dining room, you know, like window, shelf, whatever. I have 40. I haven't even told you about Harlem candles. Oh, you they're know, beautiful. I've got like yeah. so much stuff, yeah. you know, so Alicia Keys, Soul Care, not, wow. Okay. You know. Okay. Good to know. There's, There's so much list. I must check but out. Think from about. Yeah. Okay. Well, Linda, we have one final segment of the show, which is a rapid yes. fire scent association game called What's That Smell? Mm, what's that smell? I'll name different places, people, times, things. You just tell me the first smell that comes to mind. It can be a note, an emotion, anything you want. I've never played this game. Okay, I'm up. Okay, let's do it. Okay, Linda, what is the smell of New York City? I'll say newspapers on a good day. No one's ever said that, and I love that answer. Okay, mm-hmm. what is the smell of Amalfi? Oh, lemony, lemon or bougainvillea. What is bougainvillea? These beautiful flowers that fall like a vine down the hillside. Oh, how poetic. Mm. Okay. What is the smell of your home? Well, as you can tell, it changes every day. So I really, it's, it's different every day. Okay. What is the smell of Steve, your husband? It also varies tremendously. He doesn't have a signature scent right now. I can't answer that. In fact, when I, we have two bathrooms, when he come, when I come out of the shower, I know he's picked one of his own that night. It's good. Nice. Do you normally pick his colognes for him? Or does he? No, I just, he loves Orpheon like you. Ugh, loves I love it. Orpheon so much. It's so beautiful. Okay. What is the smell of happiness? I think it's, I'm not into suntanning that much, but it's the smell of the salt water at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the smell of anxiety? I'm not an anxiety person, so that I don't mean to be funny when I say mm-hmm. that. I think it would be like a deep, twisted, possibly in the oud category. Hmm, interesting. Okay. What is the smell of youth? I think Yardley used to have a smell way back when. 
or a Bon Bell. Bon Bell. Love it. Okay. The final question. What is the smell of Linda Levy? Ouch. I'm a combo, as you know, right now. Yes. You'll have to visit me to find that out. I look forward to the day. More to be continued. Mm -hmm. Linda, it has been such a joy to have you on the podcast. You have demystified so much about the Fragrance Foundation and just the world of fragrance in general. And it's it's just been so nice chatting with you. Where can people find more information on the Fragrance Foundation or follow you or the Fragrance Foundation? I would love for anyone who's listening to follow me. I'm Linda underscore G underscore Levy on Instagram. But we do come out with Noteworthy and Accords, which always states that. We have a website, fragrancefoundation.org. We're on all kinds of social media. Everything we do is on this website. And if you just um, go to our website, you can sign up for our um, information that comes out every single week. So we welcome everyone, but it's all about hashtag Fragrance Forward TFF. Fragrance Forward TFF. Linda, thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. It was my pleasure. Perfumer is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.